Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I am your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here, as always, every time we meet with Christopher Wesley. What's up, Mr. Wesley? Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. We can say that now because it is the Easter season. Alleluia. Yay! You know, it's funny, my little boy who's two years old, uh, every time he sees a cross, a crucifix on the wall here at home or at church or anything that looks like a cross, he'll say, Alleluia! And we look at him like, it's Lent, buddy! (laughs) But he doesn't know. Like, you know, he'll just say, Alleluia! It's hilarious. It's so great. Well, you you know, it's funny because the school that's attached uh, to the parish I work at, there was this huge... I wouldn't say controversy because it was just really controversy amongst the kids that um, you couldn't say Alleluia, but you could say Alleluja or Jar. And uh, so uh, um, my friend Julie, who's the music teacher at the school, she would like joke and laugh about how kids would call someone out if they said Alleluia. And there was points of tension and stress and everything. And so I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, And I was talking to a couple of people about it and they're like, really? You can't say it during Lent and everything? And I was like, yeah, you know, like there are these things in our Catholic church. And I was like, it's, it's not really like a rule. Like you're going to go to hell if you say hallelujah. It's just, you shouldn't because it's not appropriate. It doesn't make sense. It's, you know, Jesus hasn't risen yet, you know? And, and so, uh, yeah. Um, but now we can say it with confidence and we can go and spread the word and, and manage that. And then so, hallelujah, it is the Easter season. <laughs> um, but what I'm most excited about with the Easter season, John, I don't know if uh, this was like you in the parishes you worked at or the parishes that you're a part of now, but um, this is a time of year where we heavily recruit volunteers um, and leaders for the fall. And um, a part of that uh, is so that we have plenty of time to uh, recruit, uh, get the paperwork done, train them, and get them ready for the year. And uh, as much as I would love to talk about you know, volunteers and recruiting, we're going to actually kind of get really deep and more specific and narrow and you know, bounce off our last episode where we talked about one-on-one at a staff level and talk about one-on-one meetings and engagement with our volunteers. And this is important because I think this deals with one, building up leaders, two, uh, I'll use the word discipline, um, and three, also, how do we deal with those difficult volunteers that we're afraid of firing or just plain of afraid of, you know? So, uh, so you're ready for this kind of conversation? Yeah, absolutely. And probably I need it a lot because I just remember like, you know, so many times I would, I would get people excited because, you know, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a big picture thinker. I'm a vision thinker. And so I kind of would share people with people and volunteers how, how this ministry could be. Uh, and I would get a whole bunch of people on board. It would be really great. But then I'd be like, so what do I do with you now? Right? Like, so I had the big picture and the vision, but then in terms of effectively managing and working with volunteers on a regular basis, I would say mm, probably hit and miss for me how successful I was on that. Uh, but yet the reality is that this is an important <clears throat> tool to be in, in our, in our tool belt in terms of managing volunteers, working with volunteers, supervising volunteers. So uh, on a regular basis, okay, we've got them on board and, and we've already recruited them. So what does this mean for us and how do we walk with them uh, to help them be successful as well. Because I think just like we would with staff, 
if I'm a supervisor, I want my staff to be successful. And one-on-ones is one of the tools that we talked about last week. How do we replicate that with volunteers? Since so many of our ministries require and are based, you know, you have more volunteers than you have staff. And I think we need to think about the structure of how we manage them. So I'm excited about this conversation. Definitely, definitely. And uh, it's one of the more challenging ones because we don't see our volunteers on a regular basis like we do with our coworkers or our employees. And another another part of it that I think is really important is, you know, knowing that um, when you do have one-on-ones with your volunteers, with your volunteer leaders, uh, you can, you don't need to, it's not saying like if you have 30 or 20 or even 10 volunteers that you need to do one-on-ones with all 10 of them. Um, but if you focus on maybe a senior leadership or a strategic leadership team and you, you know, build the art of one-on-one with them, then they're going to be able to do that with your other volunteers and create that tier leadership approach right there. Yeah, and that's good because as we as we talk through the structure, the idea is we need to empower our volunteers to to do ministry and, and because we can't do it all. And if we're really going to reach people for the kingdom, if we're going to really help people know Christ and know his community, then then we it can't be dependent on Chris. It can't be totally dependent on John. We have to quote unquote replicate ourselves and and, and we have to do that through volunteers. And so this is a super important conversation. So Chris, kind of, we've got volunteers on board now, you know, and, and we're not going to talk about recruiting as we already mentioned, but what do we do? How do we now manage, you know, what these volunteers, what does the structure look like as we begin to move forward in helping them do ministry and be successful in the ministry that they do? Yeah. Uh, what I always point people to is uh, something that I got from my friend, Doug uh, Franklin, who's uh, founder and president of LeaderTrex. Uh, it's called the Intentional Ministry Model. And his first step in the Intentional Ministry Model uh, is building a team of volunteers. And I, I've talked to him about it. And really, I think the first thing you do is you, uh, you know, one, you, you just you get people, you get a team together, but in that team, you look for a strategic leadership team or a, a core. I know life team uses this, but I use it in a different fr- uh, frame, but core team. Right. Uh, and that's anywhere from, you know, start with at least two or three people, but anywhere from like three to seven people that um, uh, you can sit down with um, and they can be like your brain trust. They can help you uh, develop ideas. They are people you can bounce ideas off of really like mainly a sounding board, uh, just so that you do not get stuck in isolation or feel isolated or feel alone in, in your, in your meetings. And so, um, when you are looking to recruit these people or to build this team, it starts out with a one-on-one, right? It starts out with going out for coffee or a bite to eat or, you know, uh, a beer or ice cream or whatever, but you just go out with this person, you talk and you get to know them personally. And the questions you need to ask in your head are, are these people that I trust? Are are these people that I enjoy their company? I feel like, you know, we can talk about ministry, but we can also talk about life. And, um, and, and then you spend time sharing with them your vision. Uh, and and I I know, again, this is to building the team and not necessarily the one-on-one, but the reason why you want to like, take those steps to build that trust and and everything is because there are going to be moments where they're leading and they might make a mistake and you need to correct it and you need to have that trust to correct it. 
Or there are going to be times where you are, you know, facing a fear or an obstacle or a problem or something that you can't solve. And they need to know they have permission to step in and guide you, call you out, correct you or whatever it is. And so I would say the first step, again, is building that strategic leadership team, uh, your wise counsel that you can go to about almost anything. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think it's, it has multiple purposes. It's, it's that trust and wise counsel, as you mentioned, but it's that visioning piece too. It's like that these are the people that can help you develop a vision and a plan of what, what could be in your specific ministry. Uh, and, and you need those thoughts. You need, you need thoughts from other people besides your own uh, because it's, it's the way other people think and act that challenge us to, to, to be better. Uh, mm-hmm. and we, and that's where a part of being in community needs to be. So who are those people that are going to make you a better leader too, right? Who are those who are going to make you a better minister? Who are they? Those are the ones that you want to bring around the table. So I love this idea. So basically Chris, what you're talking about here is, is, is you're almost talking about organizational structure, right? What's the organizational structure for volunteers, right? And, right. and we always talk about kind of hierarchy, you know, and, and I know sometimes we can poo-poo hierarchy. It's like, oh, we should have flat organizations or whatnot. But the reality is human beings are most effective with a hierarchy. Uh, and, and you don't need to use the term, but I'm just saying, who's that core team? Who's that inner circle that you're going to work with as you then develop, you know, the greater team of the ministry. Um, but again, these are your confidants. These are the people that you trust. These are the people that are going to challenge you uh, to be better and to really challenge that vision. So I really love that idea. Yeah. And even if you don't have a big ministry, like say you work in a small church or a, um, a rural church uh, where there's not a lot of people um, having just even two or three people that you meet with on the side, even if they're not part of that organizational chart, right. But they're, just there to counsel you and meet with you, I think is important so that when you do have to meet one-on-one with your actual volunteer team, that uh, you have people you can fall back on, uh, people you can hash out ideas so that you're not doing it in in, uh, real time by yourself. And so I think that's definitely essential right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's good. And I think for me, one of the challenges are like, I, I think I could get this team really effective in the past as I look back at my history, but what would happen with me, Chris, and you need to help me out with this. What would happen with me is I get these volunteers on board and I get them all excited and I throw them out in the ministry field and say, okay, go do it. And then I walk away or I let them figure it out on their own. It's because I have, I have other things I need to worry about now, right? Which is such a terrible attitude to have. But the reality is that's kind of what happened. And I think that happens to a lot of us where our minds are going 100 miles an hour Think about all these things that we need to do. So great, we got a volunteer on board for, or multiple volunteers on board for this ministry. I'm going to throw them out there, let them do their thing, and I'm going to go work on something else. But that's not the most effective way of going about it. So how do we help them now succeed once they are saying yes and they're on board? Yeah, so uh, yeah, especially if you don't get those outliers who you throw in the ministry and they're confident and competent and can figure it out. Right. And we get spoiled by those people for the majority of people. I think it's one making sure that you, or if you have someone from your strategic leadership team, sit down one-on-one with that person before they serve and, and make sure you go through the, just the basic steps of what it means to serve in that ministry. So if you create a job description, make sure that they're clear on that. Uh, let them know, um, you know, what they make sure you're clear on what they need to know and what they need to do. 
and you know sit with them and, and talk with them one-on-one before and then after their first time serving um, I think this is important after their first time maybe this even first couple times serving sit down with them one-on-one and unpackage um, unpack the um, the conversation that you had with them or the experience that they just had unpack that and ask them you know what was clear what um, what wasn't clear uh, you know, what did you feel? Is there something that I need to know as a leader? Uh, and having that one-on-one where you unpack their experience is key. And even if it's being an usher or a, a Eucharistic minister or something that, you know, we might assume is simple because they see it a lot of the times, um, don't be afraid to unpack that because there might be something that they're afraid to ask you. Uh, there's something that maybe was confusing to them uh, that might have not been a problem at one time, but could be a problem down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think it's important to address, especially someone who's new. Also, the other thing is men and women and teenagers who serve in ministry, their most fragile, vulnerable time is in that first 30 days uh, or uh, within that first month that they're serving. And so I think it's important that we as leaders check in with them one-on-one to see how they're doing. And it will let them know that uh, we're not, uh, they're not just doing us a favor or manual labor, but that, that, that we actually do care about them. Mm-hmm. So Chris, are you suggesting then that obviously if they're a new volunteer, we need to meet with them one-on-one uh, somewhat regularly, at least at first. Are you suggesting in the same way that we'd meet one-on-one with staff members that we meet weekly or regularly like what does that look like i've got 30 volunteers that are helping me with my faith formation program how do how can i possibly connect with all of them that makes sure that they have the resources and skills and support they need to be successful do we do it weekly do we do it monthly like what does that even look like with a volunteer structure I, i think the majority of our time as leaders needs to be pouring into our people um, if you are spending more time sitting behind a laptop, um, or, you know, setting up and breaking down for programs or events and not talking to your leaders, then I think, uh, I think you are missing out and, and you're going to, you're going to limit yourself. Now that's not to say, yeah, your volunteers might not have the capacity to meet on, on a weekly basis, especially not if you're meeting with 30, but that goes back to the strategic leadership team, right? So there's one person on my team, Joanne. I think I've mentioned her before. She is a part of my strategic leadership team. Um, she's retired. She's an empty nester. Uh, she's a widow. So, um, and, and she tells me all the time she's got so much time on her hand, uh, on her hands, uh, so much to the point that she's now a beekeeper. Um, and, uh, and so she's looking for stuff to do. She's also got a background in, oh, I'm going to mess it up, but Six Sigma Black Belt Business Management Training. And she came to me at one point and was like, I, you know, I've got all this time. I've got this experience. I'd like to work with you. And so I meet with her on a weekly basis every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. She comes in and I, almost like she's my ministry therapist, just unload on her. And she'll give me feedback, insight, what she's seeing and everything like that. So she has the capacity to do that. I think if everyone in ministry could find at least one or two people to do that, those people exist, right? There are people in your parish 
and granted they're probably on the older end or they're empty nesters or you know uh they've they're independently wealthy or whatever it might be but there are people in your parish who have a lot of wisdom who have time just to meet with you one-on-one in that regards and can help you hash that out your your leaders your managers you're gonna have to be a little bit more creative and so for me on a regular basis i try to use things like uh you know online videos whether it's youtube or vimeo recording you know myself speaking to them and sending that out to give them instruction and direction um, you know, we, we've got a little Facebook group that, um, you know, I communicate to my team on, but then with, um, you know, uh, my team as a whole, I'll check in with them 15 minutes before and 15 minutes after a program. So it's not really like the one-on-one, but it's in smaller group that I, I meet with them. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a lot of meetings. I'm in a lot of conversations with people. Um, and when you do look at it, it's probably what I spend the majority of my time doing because I know if I can bring clarity and I can bring encouragement and I can bring vision. I like that clarity, encouragement, and vision. That's probably a future blog post. Um, I uh, can uh, definitely create confident, competent, and uh, just really powerful leaders who will then bring that to other people that I ask them to manage. You know, And that goes back to kind of that structure we we're talking about, right? is I have a strategic leadership team. They help me manage five or six other people. And those five or six other people will help, uh, will help me manage the 30 or 40 other volunteers that, that we recruit. That is amazing. And honestly, Chris, I'm sitting there going, I want to do that. I'd love to be able to do that. But I, I, I'm now feeling overwhelmed by how I do that, how I set that up. And that's okay, because I think the reality is that leadership in ministry can be and will be challenging at times. And so, so, you know, one of the, you mentioned the fragile time is in those first 30 days or so with the, with folks. And that's mostly because they're excited and energetic, but they have no idea what they're doing, right? Because they're just starting out. And that's, that's situational leadership right there, you know? Uh, And so, what, what do those meetings look like? As you start to meet with folks, whether it's your, your initial strategic team uh, that you're creating or other volunteers, you know, what does that look like in terms of your quote-unquote agenda when you meet on a regular basis or whenever you meet? Yeah, um, in regards to agenda, um, yeah, it, it all depends. So let's start with I already talked about Joanne and, and one-on-one with her. It's just really a check-in sort of moment. Um, with my strategic leadership team, uh, we we use things from like Patrick Lencioni, you know, with a rally cry. So right now it's, it's helping um, create a healthy ministry culture, you know, so actually talking about some of the same stuff. And um, so one, we identified what a healthy leader in, in youth ministry looks like. And so now we're trying to communicate that to our team and creating systems that enhance that. Um, and so that, that's the agenda, as well as um, coming up with uh, measurable objectives. So, you know, how's our attendance? How's our, uh, you know, our, our mission work camps over the summer, you know, in regards to people signing up for them and the funding for that, you know, what are the stories of life change that we're hearing? What's the parent engagement look like? And so we go through that and we, we measure a lot of that. And I'd recommend reading the advantage by Patrick Lencioni because there's a lot in that and, and there's some good systems um, in, in that regard. Um, in regards to one-on-one with uh, volunteers, it's a lot of relational 
um, it starts out as relational because I, I want I want my team to know that I love them first as a person more than need them as a, a warm body to to run the ministry. And so there'll be times where I reach out to a volunteer and I'll say, hey, um, let's just grab a cup of coffee and uh, tell me how your kids are doing or, you know, what's something that you're dreaming about? Uh, what's something that you absolutely love doing? And then we'll use that as a way to warm up to talk about ministry. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll say like, hey, this is something I'm working on. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And that's, th- those are I would say what I try to do with the majority of my time um, in a proactive way. Uh, then there are the meetings where you have to be reactive, right? So there's the proactive meetings, which I think is, it goes back to what you should be doing as much as possible, which is checking in with people, to affirming them, encouraging them, all those uh, um, uh, great things that we do as leaders. The reactive ones are if you see an issue or if you need something resolved or if you need something fixed, right? So um, Outside of the strategic leadership team and even with our managers talking about like our objectives, uh, a lot of times it will be if I see a leader who's showing up late on a regular basis um, or if, I, if there's an incident that's not like something that has to you know, jump the ladder quick to authorities, right? Like, so we're not talking about child protection stuff, um, you know, but we're not talking about attendance or, or, or showing up late, we're ta- you know, that middle ground. That's where um, I'll pull in someone like Joanne or someone else from my strategic leadership team. We'll set up a, a one-on-two meeting and uh, you know, we'll just, we'll check in with that person and just say like, Hey, this is what we've noticed. And it just kind of, we feel like we need to check in and see how things are going. And uh, a lot of times because of all the other work that we've done, a lot of times that person was quick to say like, yeah, you know what? I just need a break or, I've just been really frustrated or there was something you did, Chris, that really upset me. And, uh, and, and at those times that's where we like work with that person to help them, um, to help them take the steps that they need to take, uh, in order to get back to that healthy leadership standard. Um, and, and when we do that, um, it really cuts down on the awkwardness. In fact, um, you know, there was a time, this is with my strategic leadership team, uh, where a um, leader was dominating the conversation and to the point where it was really hindering where we needed to go in decisions. And so later I set up a one-on-one with that person and um, I, I, you know, because of the trust, I was able to start out right away and just say, Hey, listen, I need to let you know that uh, at the last meeting, I felt like you were really taking over the conversation and not necessarily in a great way. Um, and I just am curious as to if you were aware of that or not. And, and they actually said, you know what, that's what I was feeling because I didn't feel like other people were, you know, stepping up to speak. And so we talked about, you know, silence and allowing silence, you know, to be a part of the conversation and how some people are internal processors and all that fun, like yada, yada, you know, introverted stuff, uh, that us extroverts don't understand. And it was a really good conversation. And, um, again, the more I think about it, the less awkward those conversations are because of the amount of trust that like we build leading into it. And I think that's like the bottom line. And this goes back to what we talked about with staff. You know, the more trust, the more relationships you can build, the, the easier these conversations are. 
Uh, and, and that's it. I, I agree 100%. That's, that's where I wanted to go. It's like the more regularly you meet with your team one-on-one or as a group, and, and it's about building that relationship, right? Just like we talked about last week with effective use of one-on-ones, you know, it's about building that trust. And so those conversations become so much easier when you have that, that relationship. And so, you know, you're not going to meet with your volunteers every week. I just think that's too unwieldy and unrealistic, quite honestly, because volunteers, you know, they're, they're working and doing stuff during the day, during the weekdays. So how are you even going to manage to try to meet with folks at night and weekends and stuff like that, you know, but setting up a structure for yourself and I'm not going to pretend that it should be monthly or every other month or whatnot. I mean, I think you need to set up a structure that really works for you, but there should be some sort of regular interval of you connecting one-on-one, not just as a team, but connecting one-on-one with each of your volunteers. I would go as far as say, create a list, just put on an Excel sheet and say, you know, put every name of a volunteer that you have, you know, and, and, and just, you know, on it, just, you know, write the date that you've met with them one-on-one just so you have a tracking mechanism. Okay. Because again, it's not going to be regularly, but, create some sort of tracking mechanism so that you know that you're at least connecting somewhat regularly with your volunteers. I mean, at least three, four times a year, right? I mean, Chris, I mean, monthly might be doable for folks, you know, but even if it's not monthly, like three, four times a year, minimally, where you have that one-on-one meeting, whether it's coffee or food or just at your desk. I mean, is that realistic? What's your thoughts on that? You know what? This is my challenge. The more you meet with people, in a smaller group or a one-on-one basis, the less stuff you're going to have on your plate that, you know, less tangible stuff. You're going to have more responsibility. Um, it's not like you're getting out of doing things, but all those like little nitpicky, like uh, if you're in children's ministry, cutting out uh, shapes and stapling and copying and youth ministry, you know, all the like creating, you know, games and writing talks and, you know, even, uh, uh, you know, even people in adult faith formation or, lit, uh, you know, if you're the director of liturgy and, you know, getting the church ready for Sunday liturgy, um, all those things you can start delegating to people who are going to bring it to the standard or expectations you have or even beyond because you spent time uh, investing in them. So, Chris, I really like the fact that we're talking about when you meet with regularly, it feels like more work, but it really becomes less work, right? You know, that that the more we meet regularly, the more we're in communication with folks. And it actually makes our job as ministers easier. Even though we're putting in more time to meeting one-on-one, we save time in the long run in other places. That, that's basically what we're saying here, right, Chris? Yeah. And I'd be careful with the word easy. I know I'm going to be nitpicky on this. I would say it's going to be more efficient, more simple. Um, The ease is going to come not, well, it'll get more comfortable. The conversations you have with people, you know, it'll be, uh, I guess, easier to ask them to do things. Um, But uh, again, there will be more responsibility because you'll be managing, um, you know, more, more people uh, not necessarily directly, but you'll be responsible for their enjoyment and, and their effort. And, um, and so that's just important to kind of keep uh, your eye out for that. But what will become, uh, again, uh, I think the fruit of, of this practice is the fact that you won't be doing all those small things that you're banging your head against the wall 
um, that you're doing. And, and I know I shared all those different examples, but again, it's freeing you up to do what you are meant to do as a leader, not because those things are beneath you, but because they are just holding you back from, from doing what you're doing. And so again, I think we, step one is, uh, you know, again, looking at building that leadership culture, that leadership team, and, but really also looking at our schedules, you know, and some people are like, well, you know, Chris, the only time I volunteers are free is in the evening or, you know, on the weekend, and I'm not ready to give those up. Um, and, and for those of us in, in youth ministry, we especially feel that burn because a lot of our programming is done in the evening. And the reality is, unless um, they work for the government in a place that they can't talk or uh, even teachers, you know, in their school, you can go to their work. There are a lot of people who have lunch breaks, who have coffee breaks. I keep coming back to food, John. I don't know why, but like <laughs> lunch breaks and coffee breaks. There are people, you know, who go into work a little bit later. There are people who don't work. There are people who telecommute who have that ability to meet with you. And especially if you're uh, not in youth ministry or children's ministry, even well, even if you are in children's and youth ministry, to meet with your volunteers during the day, it, it, it's possible. That's what other organizations and companies are doing. They're networking. They're, they're doing those things. And, and I think we have to uh, get rid of that whole like nine to five, we're a bunch of factory workers and, you know, we have to work these shifts. Um, unless you work <laughs> in a very blue collar industrial setting. I mean, again, and, you know, I know here in Maryland, we've got a lot of federal workers who are like, hey, Chris, once I go on the campus of my employment, no cell phone, nothing. I can't, you know, I can't meet. And that's okay. We'll be flexible. Um, those are the exceptions where you do meet in the evening or early morning yeah. um, to, to manage their schedules. Yeah. And, and, and again, it doesn't even have to be face-to-face, -face, I think, with volunteers. I mean, that's always ideal, but you could do a phone call, right? And and we're not talking hours. I mean, we're talking about like a, a 10, 15-minute check-in. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't script out like we did with Effective 101s. Like we said, they're 30 minutes. Like, I'm not suggesting that they need to be, you know, a specific time frame, but but checking in regularly with your team in some way, shape, or form is absolutely essential one-on-one. And so it could be as simple as a phone call in the middle of the day, you know, yeah. and say, Hey, just want to catch up with you give them a phone, you know, give them a call and chat a little bit more. Like I think sometimes we, we, we tend to make this more difficult than it needs to be. And, and I'm all for systems and structures that allow us to, to, to be efficient and effective on how we connect with people, you know, but sometimes in ministry, we just need to be flexible and do it when we can. Yeah. Uh, and that is the nature of not just ministry. That is the nature of life. And the more that we can roll with the punches, for lack of a better term, the more we can just roll with what's going on uh, in our lives, I think the more effective we're going to be. And so taking those opportunities and say, wow, I have like a 15 minute window where I have like nothing to do. I know that's hard to believe that anybody would ever have that window, right? It's like, well, pop up some of those names of your volunteers and say, hey, give them a call real quickly. See if they're available just, just to check in and chat. You know, yeah. so as much as it would be good to have structured meetings, it's good to do it uh, you know, randomly too when you have these moments uh, and connect with them. But again, I still go back to this idea of creating some sort of tracking mechanism, some sort of chart where, where you can say, I have been able to connect one-on-one -on -one with these individuals uh, and, and track you know, whether it's a check mark, whether it's a date or whatnot, but just track because you will find, and as I found, is that there are certain volunteers I connected with all the time regularly, right? And my little checklist would go on and on and on with them. But then there are others I discovered that 
ooh, I'm, I'm not connecting with them. And that's natural. That's going to happen. And so that's where we need to be really intentional. It's like, who have I not connected with recently that I need to connect with? And Chris, going back to your point about how do we empower other volunteers to do this, I'm going to use liturgy as a perfect example of this. Mm. You know, liturgy, I think, is, is one of those ministries where you have a lot of volunteers, depending on the size of your parish, right? Because you have altar servers, and you have lectors, and you have Eucharistic ministers, and you have sacristans, and you have musicians, right? Well, in an ideal world, and this is what I would highly recommend, is that you have point people for all those ministries, right? So you've got a volunteer who helps over helps you oversee all the Eucharistic ministers. You have another volunteer who helps oversee all the lectors, et cetera, right? That then put the onus on that volunteer, train them, you know, but put the onus on them to connect with their their ministers every once in a while. Again, we're not talking every weekly, we're not even talking about monthly, but but put the onus on them. And 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 that's an easy structure where volunteers can connect one-on-one with other volunteers in the mission of supporting them in their ministry, checking in, make sure they're doing well, hearing from them what's going on, make sure they're not burning out, et cetera. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Wow, I know we could spend hours talking about this and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's important. Uh, so definitely uh, check out Parish Success Group um, at parishsuccessgroup.com or johnrinaldo.com or, or you can reach out to me at marathonyouthministry.com uh, for that, um, for, for all the information on how we can help you build healthier teams. Uh, John, like any final questions or thoughts that you have uh, on this topic? Yeah, I I just think it comes down to being intentional about it, right? Mm -hmm. So be intentional about how you connect with volunteers. Don't do what I used to do all the time. Get them on board, get them excited, and then let them to their own devices. It just doesn't work. And so uh, they end up leaving. And I I had many volunteers who left after I initially brought them on board because I didn't support them. Yeah. Uh, and, and so just be intentional about whatever that plan looks like. And we gave you some ideas. Be intentional about making that plan come to reality so that you don't lose your really good volunteers and that you continue to build up your ministry through them. Cool. Awesome. Well, John, great conversation. Always love talking about this subject. Always enjoy talking to you and Alleluia again. It is the Easter season. Uh, So uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, You can always send us your questions at the questions at the churchpodcast.org or you can uh, uh, get in touch with John and I online at johnrinaldo.com or me at marathonyouthministry.com. We're on all sorts of social media from Twitter uh, and uh, Instagram and Facebook. You can find John there at John Ronaldo. You can find me at Marathon Youth Ministry. Uh, if you are not a subscriber, definitely subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing because without you guys, uh, it's just John and I talking. Um, you know, there's no uh, <laughs> there's no church podcast without you guys. You guys are the third part of this conversation. So definitely leave us reviews. Send us your questions. And thank you for being a part of the church podcast community. Uh, John, will you close us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God of love, the resurrected Jesus, thank you so much for this Easter season that we are in, Lord. We just ask as, as we embrace this season, as we embrace this 
time that, that you be with us, that you lead us in our ministry, that you help us in working with our volunteers and supporting our volunteers all so that together staff and volunteers, we can work towards helping people know you and the joy of the resurrection and how we are all forever changed because of the Easter celebration. So Lord be with us in our ministry during this time. Uh, bless all of our volunteers who do incredible work in your name. We pray. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.